So we uh, come to the time of the, of the service where we preach the Word of God, and so we're excited about that for you guys this morning. And um, I'm excited because I've been really anticipating this message. We have an announcement to make at the end of the service, and so like, that's really cramping my style this morning. Um, so I'm having to kind of leave some short, leave some time at the end and kind of condense everything. So y'all, y'all pray for me. Uh, pray for yourselves that you won't be here till you know, 12 o'clock or 1 o'clock or... Um, no, we're good. Um, so we've been preaching through uh, Philippians, trying to figure out what it is that we are as the people of God. What do we do as the people of God and how we're going to do it? Uh, we're in the middle of trying to figure out um, what, is, what it is that we do as the people of God. If you missed any of these messages, you can go to our website at questfellowshipchurch.com and you can uh, listen to the podcast or you can look at the videos, whichever one you choose to do, to get caught up on where we are in the book of Philippians. Uh, today we're in chapter 3, verses 12 um, through 16, this press seen on that, that Paul speaks about and talks about so famously. Uh, the main point today is that followers of Jesus never stop moving forward for the gospel. Followers of Jesus never stop moving forward for the gospel. Last summer, we did a message series entitled Motion, where we talked about, you know, that God is a God who's on the move. And so we, as his people, should be a people that's on the move as well, both individually as well as corporately. So let's turn together um, into the word today in chapter 3 of the book of Philippians, verses 12 through 16. Um, The Apostle Paul says this. He says, not that I have already obtained this, which is the, the resurrection he's speaking of. Not that I have already attained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained." Key point number one is this, is that we press on for the gospel. We press on. And sometimes I think sometimes we spend time in a stagnated state and we just can't move forward and we just find ourselves wallowing um, either in the present or in the past and we can't move forward. But Paul says, I'm pressing on. And so I think as a model for us, if the Apostle Paul is willing to press on, then I'm going to be willing to press on too. Um, We can never stop. We have to be moving forward. The gospel is calling us forward. We are a forward-looking, forward-thinking people. Nothing about the gospel says think about your past and focus on your past and dwell on your past and let your past enchain you and and bind you and keep you from looking forward to what I've called you to do. Nothing about the gospel is stagnation. Nothing about the gospel is past. Everything about the gospel is what is going to happen in the future because of what has happened into me now in my faith in Jesus Christ. We as a people of God, by definition, as followers of Jesus, are to be forward-looking. So we're going to press on. Like we press on. We push forward. We, we, we are in motion. We are never stopping, always pushing forward, always looking for what is next in anticipation that God is going to do something. Paul was in constant motion. If you read the book of Acts, you can, you can read kind of the, the ministry of Paul and kind of the narrative of it as, as his friend and his companion in a lot of his travels. Luke writes this account for us in the book of Acts. You can read kind of as Paul is on these journeys to these different places, and Paul was constantly in motion for the sake of the gospel. 
The only time that he ever stopped was when somebody caught him and threw him in prison, as Weston alluded to earlier. This idea that that the gospel is, is something that needs to, to push us on. Like, it is, a, it is a movement. And so in order for us to be a part of a movement, we should be moving. Paul was somebody who remained in constant motion. We can never stop moving forward. Think about this. This idea that Jesus has called us to something that's bigger than ourselves. You know, Paul is saying, basically, you guys don't understand. Like, we read that kind of his, his testimony and his account of that he was a Pharisee, a Hebrew of Hebrews. You know, one, according to the law, he was found blameless. All the things of a Jewish male that you would think would be of high esteem, that was what Paul was pursuing before Jesus encountered him on the road to Damascus. And then from that point forward, everything about Paul's life changed. And so Paul is saying that basically I press on and try to make it my own because Jesus has made me his own, because he has taken ownership of me. That in and of itself is the foundation of the gospel, that you are Jesus. That Jesus has bought you with the sacrifice that he made on the cross. So he has redeemed you out of the prison of your past, out of the prison of your sinfulness, out of the prison of your brokenness. Jesus has paid the price, has paid the penalty, and brought you out. You're essentially the item in the pawn shop that the owner has come to claim and has paid the fee and has taken you out and taken you back to freedom and to ownership. That's who you are in Christ. That's who you are in Jesus Paul is saying that because nothing is as it was, I press on. Because of the gospel, I press on. Because Jesus loved me enough and sought me out enough and sought enough of a purpose in my life to encounter me on the road to Damascus as I was persecuting his people. Because of all of that, I press on. Because Jesus has made me his own. Because nothing it will ever be the same, I press on. Because Jesus, I press on. Has the gospel impacted your life that much? Like your knowledge and your personal relationship with Jesus, like has it transformed you to the point to where you can't help but move forward because of it? You have to understand that Paul's personality, I know, I know not everybody is a go-getter. Not everybody is an A-type or, a, you know, like a, a challenging personality. It's always going to be in motion. There are some of you who just can't sit still. You got answer in your pants, right? My wife is such a person. Sometimes she wears me out just getting up and down, you know, and I'm sitting still in the chair. I can be very content just sitting and existing within my brain because there's a lot going on in here. Some of it not so good. Some of it really cool stuff. Some of it goofy and stupid. You know, a lot of dad jokes in here. There's a lot going on in my brain. And so I can be content. Like sometimes on a Tuesday in the evening, I might be sitting at home and I'm thinking about the sermon that's coming up on Sunday. And it's going through my mind and I'm walking through the steps and I'm walking through the points and I'm walking through the truths of it. Or there may be something I've experienced that day. So I can be content just being still. Dana cannot be still. She's in constant motion like the Energizer Bunny and it's awesome. Some of us just are more content in not moving, but the gospel says we are to move, we are to be going, we are to press on. There's stuff that we have to do. If you're perfectly content knowing the gospel for yourself, 
and taking that truth and that hope, that eternal hope of the gospel, and just kind of sliding it in your back pocket and letting it rest there. And that's all you ever do with it. That's not the gospel. You see, the gospel is something that is so transformative. When I, when I say gospel, I mean the good news. Here's the, here's the gospel. In essence, it means this. It means that we're all sinners, every single one of us. We all desperately need a Savior. And that God's love for us was so great that he sent his son to die on a cross to cover our sins so that we could be in relationship with him. And now we have an eternal hope in him. That is the gospel. So we get to live every day with that good news in our hearts. So then it should affect what comes out of our mouth to other people. This idea that we press on for the sake of the gospel, for the cause of the gospel. Does the gospel drive you forward on a daily basis? Does the gospel pull you somewhere, press on? Like, are you pressing on for the sake of the gospel? Even through the tough times, even through the mess, even through the sticky times, even through the the mess of life that will come to every single person in this room, are you pressing on for the sake of the gospel? There'll be moments in your life where following the gospel and being sold out for it will cost you something. There'll be times in your life where just things are just going bad because we live in a fallen, broken world. And by no fault of your own, you've walked into some junk. Are you willing to press on? Think about the things that the Apostle Paul has gone through. Like, all of his friends before Jesus won't talk to him. He's given up that whole circle of people, that whole circle, that whole climb of prestige and status within his community. He's given all that up, and he's traveling around the world. He probably could have been a person of means and wealth if he had stayed on that path. He's given, now he's an itinerant preacher and making tents to kind of help support and asking for offerings from other congregations and people within the congregations of the churches that he's leading to support him so that he can continue his ministry of pressing on for the gospel and being in constant motion for the gospel. And he finds himself over and over again in prison because of his willingness to be bold in the face of opposition for his call for the gospel. He presses on because of the gospel, because Jesus has made me his own, because I belong. I think in every one of our hearts, we have a sense that we want to belong. We want to matter to somebody. Here's the good news. You matter to the God of creation. To the God who dreamed up the idea of water, you matter. To the God who, like, pushed the mountains up to their height, you matter. You matter, like, individually. That's the vast scope of the love of God. And so this sense of belonging that we all are yearning for has been given freely to us through the gospel, through faith in Jesus Christ. That We are his. We have been made his own. And so that should push us forward. Key point number two is this, is that we are forward-focused for the gospel. Not only do we press on, but we're forward-focused we're in, our, in our thinking. You see, this is difficult for a lot of us because sometimes the past has great power over us. Um, Paul says, 
I'm forgetting what lies behind. So you can't really press on, you can't be forward-focused if all you're thinking about is what has happened in the past. If you're one of those people that just dwells on the past, whether it's the mistakes that you've made or the mistakes of others or the wrongs of others against you or maybe the regrets of, of what could have been if you haven't done this or if you had done that and you just constantly live in that or you're, whatever you were before Jesus, whatever label that might have been placed on you because of your sin, whatever that label mean is, if, if it's an adulterer or an addict or whatever it is that you, that you might have experienced in life in the past, someone who had an abortion, somebody who was uh, full of pride and full of greed and full of lust and all the things that could have happened in your past and all those labels that we could have placed on ourselves because of our sin. If you're somebody who lingers under those labels and under the depression, the, the depression of it and the oppression of those labels, you'll never be able to move forward. Paul is saying, I forget what lies behind. In other words, Paul uses it as his, as his testimony, but it no longer defines him. Who he was as uh, uh, somebody who loved God as a Jewish male who was pursuing the destruction of the church, he owns up to that and he confesses that, but it doesn't define who he is. We just simply can't move forward if we're constantly looking in the rearview mirror. Some of you are in relationships where you've been wrong in that relationship. And all you can do is Remember that wrong. And every time you're in the presence of that person who has wronged you, you focus on that wrong in the past. No matter what they say, no matter what they do, no matter how much they atone for it, no matter how much they ask for forgiveness, no matter how much reconciliation they try to achieve, no matter how much they try to uh, in indicate with their actions that their heart has changed, no matter what, sometimes some of you are just sitting in the room and you're in those relationships and you can't move past what happened. And so you, it's impossible to move forward. It's, it's, it's literally impossible. When you get in your cars to go home today, I want you to put your car in drive and don't look anywhere but the rearview mirror and try to leave the parking lot. Don't worry, I'm sure you got insurance. Because that's going to be a mess, right? Like, it is physically impossible for you to drive forward if you're only looking in your rearview mirror. It cannot happen. But so many times people are going through life, they're driving down the road in their life, and all they're doing is looking in that rearview mirror, and they're just sitting there just shaking their head. Or they've got great, tremendous grief or great, tremendous um, guilt because of what they see in the past. And, it, and it, it just captures their attention so much that they can't see what's in, which is so much bigger, Right? The, the, the vision through the front glass of your car is much bigger, much more promising than what's in your rearview mirror. And yet, sometimes we spend so much time of our life focusing on this little thing, and we miss what God can do down the road around the next curve, around the next bend. God's got something for you there, and you just simply can't see it because all you're focused on is that rearview mirror. Paul is saying, I forget it, man. It's gone. I own up to who I was, but, man, that don't define me today. I press on for what is to come. We are a forward-looking people. 
If you don't believe that, turn to the book of Revelation, chapter 21, verses 1 through 7. Listen, just listen to this. We should be looking forward, right? This is, this is what this means for me. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and, he, and God will be himself be uh, with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. As he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have, his, will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. Man, we are a forward-looking people. This is the promise of God. And so, man, if you've if you got a bad day, like if, you, if everything just seems to be running off the rails and it's falling apart and you don't seem to have an answer, you don't seem to know what to do, remember this, like new heaven and new earth, God's going to dwell with us. It's going to be okay. You can just cry out as the early church would do. Occasionally they would just cry out Maranatha, which, which literally means uh, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Just come on, Jesus, come today. April 15th, man, got to pay the tax, man. Hey, Jesus, just come on today because I don't have the money. <laughs> you see, the thing you need to understand about this um, looking towards the future is that our thinking does determine our actions. It, it really does. And your actions will determine your circumstances. So if you want to change your circumstances, you got to change the way you think. And truly, your thinking is going to come from your heart. Because Paul said, let those of us who are mature think this way. So he's indicating that there are some who aren't mature. Maturity allows us to see beyond ourselves and to see beyond the moment and the pressure of our circumstances to truly be forward-looking. I'm just going to alarm you to this and warn you to this. There is only one letter difference between mature and manure. <laughs> and we all know what manure is. A little bit of manure smells bad. You put a big pile of it together and it starts steaming and stinking and it's a mess. And if we become a church full of people that are thinking in manurity instead of maturity, then we're going to be in a mess. Paul is saying, let us be mature enough to think beyond ourselves, to be able to be forward-looking, to be able to forget what is in our past, whether it's some hurt or even, even in the past uh, as a church or, or as a people, right? It's, it's time to go. Like, there's work to be done. There's people in our community who desperately need the love of Christ. What are we going to do about it together? What are we going to do about it? Move on. Let's think. Image. Paul says it takes maturity to be able to do that. It takes maturity to be able to think this way. To see beyond ourselves to something that's bigger than ourselves. Key point number three is this, is this that we hold true 
to the gospel. We hold true to the gospel. Like, you see, the gospel has given us hope. It's given us relationship with God. It's given us encouragement. It's given, given us freedom from our past. It's given us so much. And so our hope and our only hope is in the gospel. You see, all that stuff about, about moving forward and pressing on and, and being able to forget what was in the past, you can't forget what was in the past if you put so much confidence in the flesh. And we talked about that last week. Because if, you're, if your focus is in the things that you can do, the things that you can create or the things that you've done or the things of this earth, as opposed to the things of the Spirit of God, then it's going to be hard for you to forget the past and to move on to the future and to be able to hold true to the gospel. Because the gospel, by definition, pulls us forward and pushes us forward. And so if we hold true to it, that means we don't let anything else dissuade us from the message and the pull of the gospel towards the future of other people knowing Jesus too through our testimony and through our faithfulness and through our commitment to be the people of God together. Paul says, let us hold true to the gospel. Let us not be dissuaded by any other false truth, any other thing that doesn't make sense, any other thing of humanity that will not truly give us the eternal hope of the coming king in the new heaven and the new earth and the new Jerusalem. Anything else is false and fake news and will, by definition, fade away into nothing. Let us hope only in the gospel. This is what we do as the people of God. We did a whole message series um, entitled Seasons, and if you want to go back and check that out, it's about how we deal with change as the people of God. How do the people of God deal with change? What does it look like? You know, the truth is that if you think about it, like, you know, Jesus was the greatest change agent that the world has ever seen. He brought change like nobody else in humanity's existence ever has. Change to his faith, change to humanity at its core. He brought historical, theological, and relational change at all three levels. And the people that were affected by the change that Jesus brought were the Jewish leaders of his day, the people who became his followers then and now. Think about what history has become because of the coming of Jesus and the definition of what it means to be historical um, in and of itself. Like we have... Um, like even define our timelines around the birth of Jesus. You know, what was life like before Jesus and for humanity and then after Jesus? Because Jesus was the greatest change agent that the world has ever known. And so for us to be forward-looking, in other words, willing to embrace the change that God is bringing and to see it for his good and for his glory and to be able to get excited about that. You remember we, we wanted to ask those questions. Whenever change comes, right, God, what do you want me to see what do you want me to hear? What do you want me to know? And what do you want me to do? Those are the four questions you ask yourself when change comes into your life. Because if you ask those questions, instead of focusing on yourself, you're focusing on God. You say, okay, God, what do you want me to see here? What do you want me to hear from your people and from your word? What do you want me to know about what it is that's coming and what I should be doing? And what, what do you really want me to do? What actions should I take? as a result of this change that's coming. And Paul is saying in this passage in Philippians that we are to press on, we're to be forward-looking people. In other words, embrace change as it comes for the good of the gospel, for the sake of the gospel, and for the promise of God, not only in our lives, what God's doing in us, but also what God's doing through us individually and corporately together as well. 